Previously on the Galactica Quorum. We are a finalist for the podcast awards. Oh yeah, Jolly. I See? totally remember See? Jolly. I, he was like the, the mustache. The, the walrus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about I can't Jolly. Be- I can't believe they haven't brought Jolly back to the original oh. new one. I brought up some of your points that the women were getting kind of a short shrift. The way they were either damaged or they needed to be rescued. They don't have to, like, say we messed up. At least acknowledge that, you know, yes, we understand that a lot of our fans felt kind of hanging. Have you been working on your costume? I don't think we can speculate on much anymore. It's a cruise full of nerds? Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Galactic Quorum. This is episode number 25. Unbelievably, we have a full quorum today. It's like the Beatles reunion or something. I just came for the 25th anniversary gift. (laughs) The 25 show giveaway. Here's your commemorative big pen. Thank you. We are a podcast about Battlestar Galactica. It's the off-season. We're discussing some other shows as we sprinkle in news about Battlestar as it comes in. I am Brian, and with me today, again, the full quorum. Jason. Dimitri. Michelle. We have a website. It's galacticaquorum.com, and an email. That's gquorum at gmail.com. That's G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. We have a voicemail. I'll remind you the number since it's changed in the last month or so. 206 350 Five, six. We mentioned last time we were finalists for the podcast awards, and we are big losers. We did not win. Big fat loser. But it was an honor to be nominated. Of course, Battlestar was nominated for Emmys, and they didn't win either. But the actual winner of the podcast awards was the Lost Podcast, so we congratulate them. And if you want to check them out, they're at www.jandjack.com. They just won because Lost is so confusing, it makes for better podcasts. That's true. <laughs> they have a lot to talk they about. They have a lot to talk about. I'm not going to say they had better material to work with. They had more confusing material to try to explain. <laughs> Do all their podcasts start with, what the hell was that? It, it has to. Not bitter. Okay. Some other podcasts that were nominated, since um, we'd like to plug some other ones. The Two Guys Talking podcast, where they discuss 24 and I'm going to just mention these, and our links are in the show notes to these particular podcasts. Uh, the Geek Syndicate, uh, there's a podcast called Nowhere in Mulberry, where they discuss film, television, and pop culture. So those are the ones from the podcast awards. Some other podcasts that have come up, a guy from the Colonial Fleet Boards contacted me. He has a podcast called The Basics of the Game. It's about role-playing games and gaming. His name is Mad Monk, and his is at technoir.livejournal.com. Check that out. Okay, let's jump to viewer mail. This is kind of for you, Jason. We got an email from Ed who reminds us of the fact that Jolly was in the miniseries, except uh, he's dead. We got a voicemail from Amanda who clarifies this. Hey, Galactic Aquan. This is Amanda Dominic from Pennsylvania, and I just had to say, keep up the good podcast coming. I do listen. I love them all the time. Quick comment, though. Jolly was in the miniseries. I don't know who mentioned that, but Jolly was actually in the miniseries. If you happen to remember, Boomer and Hilo were in the Raptors with a whole squadron of Vipers when the Lone Two Silent Raiders are coming by. Here's helpful. Put on subtitles, but if you read it and hear it, one of the pilots calls out for Jolly, and Jolly can't move his uh, Vipers. It's five seconds, and Jolly gets killed, but Jolly is in that. Just wanted to say that. 
and uh, hope to hear another podcast from you guys. Keep up the good work, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. So he was a Viper pilot. Yeah, so he, was a, he was a red shirt. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, he was a Viper pilot in the original, too. He was just oh. a jovial, fat Viper. Oh, Viper so he pilot. was like Porkins? So here's one more voicemail with a question for us. Hello, Galactica Quorum. Calling from Minnesota here. Just want to say thanks for the show. It's a real helper with the you know, withdrawal and the down season here. I wanted to ask anybody had any theories about the head characters. I just think it's too much coincidence that we have a Baltar seeing a head six and Caprica six seeing Baltar. And then we also had this uh, character that presented himself as Leobin to Starbuck when she died. But at the end, she said, you're not Leobin, are you? And he said, well, no, I never said I was. So does anybody think that those three characters are a different, uh, kind of like their own group here, maybe playing the the real the Cylons and the humans towards their own goal? I know there's not much to go on, but I was wanting to hear people's theories and hopefully prompt a discussion on that if possible. Thanks. Bye. There's a couple things from early seasons that were sort of dropped in, thrown in almost offhand that... At the time, maybe they didn't seem like much, even to the writers, but they've come to have very a large importance. And one of them was the head Baltar when he showed up. That sort of made things a little more interesting because you suddenly realized that it wasn't just him that might have had a chip in his head or whatever. It became more than just the question, is he crazy or does he have a chip? It became, what does that mean that someone else has that same experience? The other thing was Leoben's everything has happened before and everything will happen again line early on in season one, which I really think that's going to come back and be what makes the series have a, a big bow at the end is somehow that's going to tie everything together, whether it's because the new hybrids are somehow from a previous you know, cycle or they're, they're remnants from the last cycle, or maybe the Cylons were the humans at one time and the humans were the Cylons are like reversal. I don't know. But what do you guys think about the any postulation about the head Baltar or the head Starbuck? I would assume that with Head Baltor, they could have put something in him that just kind of furthered their control. Right. I think everybody else is just going space happy. Yeah, I, I think, think Caprica's just lost her mind. Basically. Yeah, Caprica I think the Head Baltars are like, or the Head anybody is like the little devil that sits on your shoulder. I don't think it's an actual entity. I think they're just talking well, no, to yeah, themselves. I don't think, no, yeah, I just think there could be a cheesy technology answer, like, what is it, midichlorians, you know? <laughs> Or, you know, it could just be, like I said, space messes with you, the Cylons mess with you. So you're going, saying it's, it's purely physiological, it's nothing yeah, beyond back. that. Yeah, I think it's purely physiological. I wish it was, but this show has taken more of a leap toward the metaphysical, and I think that's that there is going to be something that's going to be more God, along those lines. I don't know, I just think physiological, while harder to explain, would just be a neater thing. I mean, because it's the whole reason this show works is because it's not just about people flying spaceships and shooting each other up. It's a character study. And the physiological explanation would fit in better with the way they've taken the show from the beginning about this is about people. If you're going to go with technology and metaphysical, you're just going back to cheesy sci-fi. Well, that's what, they're, that's what they've been doing, though, because they, with this la- especially this last jump they made, with Kara reappearing out of the blue, resurrected, and... I mean, that's as metaphysical as you can get. I feel like the show has gone on the way. It started off as sort of like a hard sci-fi show, and now it's kind of getting more iffy. I don't think we can speculate on much anymore. Yeah, it's getting to the point where they're... 
They're muddying the water so much, it's hard to... There's nothing we can speculate on, because there's no... We haven't gotten any more, you know, little tidbits to the story, so... Well, the one tidbit we did get was from the Aaron Douglas Q&A, and he came out and said straight up, so it must not be a spoiler if he just goes out and says something. I suppose they, they talked to him and said, you can't say this, and you can't say this. And so I assume when he goes out and says to a large room of people, I'm a Cylon, and I'm a one-off, so if I die, I die, then... I guess it's okay with the powers that be. But I think we all kind of assumed that to begin with. Yeah, we assumed it, but it's interesting that they let him just say that, unless it's, that is a fact that is not as important to solving the mystery. The one thing I take out of that, the fact that they could die, makes me wonder if the four Cylons that are revealed as the final five, if the fifth one, why haven't we seen the fifth one? I kind of think maybe the fifth one might be dead. <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to it just because... Along with 99.9999% of the rest of the population, they would have died in the cataclysm of the initial attack. That makes sense to me. I'm kind of worried that the fifth Cylon will be revealed in the Razor episode as being someone on the ship. What if the fifth is Starbuck and she couldn't make the little gathering in that little room because she was already off the ship? Yeah, that seems to be sort of the prevailing opinion. It must be Starbuck, but the fact that it is the prevailing opinion makes me think that they're not going to go there. I think she makes the most sense. I agree with you. but I do like the idea that maybe maybe the odds of one of those five actually dying is you know more than 0%. So you know, that would be a cool kind of real-life thing. You could also go the other way. All they ever call them is the final five. No one knows what they are. Maybe it's the final five, but it's really like these four, and then there's one of them that's actually in charge, and they're not there. Well, they call them final five because it's the final five that were revealed, but what if they were actually... The first five. The first five, right. And actually, before that, there were many more, and they're just kind of like the last of the first ones, if that makes any sense. Oh, there you go. The final five of the first generation. Right, right. The last of the Mohicans. Again, going back to that cycle thing. We got an email from a guy from a couple of podcasts ago. We mentioned his podcast, the Video Game Outsiders guy. He asked us a couple questions. We were finally getting around to those. He asks, would Battlestar be fundamentally different if it had aired on a major network? And do you think sci-fi is no longer a viable genre for major network television? I think for space sci-fi, the answer is yes. But general well, sci-fi, the answer is a big no, because you can look at heroes Like heroes, heroes is sci-fi. And, yeah. But as far as like space stuff goes, I think Firefly might have been the last well, hurrah for that. Isn't uh, Journeyman that just aired? That's sci-fi. That's sci-fi, but it's not space sci-fi. So there really haven't been a lot lately. It's yeah. you're right. The the fantasy genre on network TV is like it's kind of real life mixed with a little bit of fantasy. Heroes, dreaming, they're all set now. In, in now. Well, that's what people want. They want right. the drama of today's world. They Plus, don't want most mainstream. They don't want fantasy. Like you're never going to see like a Lord of the Rings type show on network TV. The Bionic Woman is a test case. Yeah, it's not sci-fi. Sci-fi. But it's from the BSG people, so it's going to have a little bit of that stylized effect on it. So if it's popular on network TV, NBC or some other show might green light for next season something else from a sci-fi perspective and try it. Now, of course, remember, everybody talks about how insanely popular Sopranos was. Well, insanely popular on Lifetime, HBO, sci-fi is something that would get you canned on a network, you know, within two or three weeks in terms of the audience. Uh, just one bit of con news. This is entirely for Jason's benefit. But the Galactic Cruise that's September 15th and 19th in 2008, 
with some of the cast members for the old and new Battlestar. We mentioned Aaron Douglas and Terry Carter, the original Ty. I got news for you, pal. Sheba, she's going to be there. Oh. <laughs> the problem is, is my anniversary September 14th and my wife's birthday September 19th. So oh. I think selling a Galactica cruise that week <laughs> would be... Like, hon, I got a great idea. Especially one where I'll be drooling over some former hottie from the 70s who may still be hot. I don't know. Oh, that's a tough. That's that is a tough sell. Sell it as a cruise, and oh, I didn't know there was a Galactus stuff here. <laughs> what? what it's, it's a it's a cruise full of nerds. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's all the same liquor. We're a little more than a month away from Halloween. Uh, have you been working on your costume? I just bought half of my stuff yesterday. That's all we want. <laughs> Stop there. <laughs> We're good with half. No, but I bought the shirts and the pants, so I'll be covered up. Oh, okay. Sorry. The only thing I need now, I think, are just the dog tags and the boots. When we were at the Shortleaf Convention, I talked with Daniel Kim, who runs the website galacticahero.net and scifihero.net. We included some of that conversation in our video podcast, but here's just a little audio conversation we had that happened after that. Okay, we're still talking with Daniel about finding props and uh, the network you have. On scifihero.net, we have a rather extensive research library of pictures. If anyone's looking for any particular thing, you know, some little gribbly on a, a weapon they, they can't identify, or uh, they want to know what a patch looks like, if they want to know things such as, well, is there a five-button scene, is there a six-button underneath? And we'll actually go out and do research and find out when that's another button and what color it is. And if we possible, we'll bring back pictures of everything. But it's all basically a, a network of fans that share information. And the idea is to try to get the most information out there to fans to make better costumes. Because there's a lot of people who go out there and actually do costuming, which is great. But at 30 feet, it looks great. And you get, start walking up to them, you're like, wow, that's, uh, that's kind of neat. Uh, <laughs> and it, you know, a lot of times it's like a Monet. When you get up close, you can't tell what it is anymore. So we're trying to get people the information and the power to actually do the costumes themselves or get the resources of where they can actually find the things. Have you ever tried to contact like an actual costumer, either in a, a show or Hollywood person that has an inside information to get some of that? Yeah, actually, we have done that with several different shows, like Space Above Beyond. We actually know a bunch of the prop people there. We also worked with a lot of people who are background actors that uh, from various shows, including you know Bowser Galactica, where we asked them, you know, okay, you put on a uniform, well, what's underneath it? And then we found out little things like where hooks are and you know snaps that you can't see on the outside. So we actually scour all the information, including talking to the actors and you know saying what color is the shirt you guys are actually wearing and things like that. And then we shared the information; it's all open shared. Uh, we share it with other sites, be a community. Did you ever find? Now, this is kind of a reverse problem. You're talking about singing up close where it doesn't look as good. Like when I saw the Star Wars and the Smithsonian, some of those props, when you get up close, they kind of look like crap. They're like really junky looking. Do you ever find that you need to sometimes, you know what it is, but you're like, you know, if I just use this, it's going to look terrible. Maybe I should use something else. Yeah, in uh, costume, we call it, it has to be more real than real. Because in uh, motion pictures, basically a background prop is supposed to be um, recognizable and looking as good as it needs to be at 30 feet. A hero prop is 10 feet. In costuming, you got to be within a foot and be able to stand up to the screening. So your stuff has to look better than the real stuff does. And that's, yeah, we actually do that all the time. It's like going, well, this is what the way we really do it, but this is the way you should do it because it's going to look better if you do it this way. 
So you, you still need to get your dog tags. And just kind of piggybacking on what we just heard Daniel talking about, the level of detail, you can go on eBay and get dog tags that resemble the ones from the show. They're like the octagon shape. And they usually run about 12 15 bucks. If you want to go really high detail and spend about twice as much, like 25 bucks. You can get ones that are created out of really nice brass, and they're stamped instead of engraved. Those Does it are, have your name on it? It doesn't have your name on it. They have ones out that you can get your name engraved on, but they're like $50. Couldn't you just buy blank tags and then take it to those uh, yes. wedding gift yeah. store at yes. the mall and have them engrave it for yeah. you? The only difference with those is they tend to engrave them instead of stamping them. And I know it seems like a piddly detail, but... It is a piddly detail. It is, but it goes back to that thing of like how detailed and how precise do you want it to yeah, be. Yeah, how authentic well, do you want Because it if be? you look at an engraved one up close, when you scrutinize it from a couple inches, you're like, oh, that's okay, but it doesn't look as good as, a, you know... But from a foot away, you're not going to notice the difference. Exactly. And so how close are you getting to your judges? Right. I gave up the pursuit of having a Viper pilot costume. It's just way too expensive, and it's just the materials are too hard to obtain. And you don't sew well. And I don't sew at all. So I decided that I'd get just the general BDU outfit, and that's kind of what Michelle is doing as well. And you I'll know just, what I'm going to do? For 25 bucks, I'll get the stamp dog tags, and I'll be Viper pilot in the shower. You can be Star Lee Ship when troopers. he drops his be, towel. Yeah, you can be Apollo when he's wearing his towel. For Starship Troopers. So here's the recipe for a quick and easy BDU costume. That's battle dress uniform. There's a website called Brigade Quartermasters that sells typical army supply stuff. If you go there, there's a jacket and pants you can obtain that are relatively inexpensive. They're like 22, 25 bucks for each piece. Then again, you can get dog tags. Dog tags again are from eBay or you can go to a board that's called propreplicas.yuku.com. That's Y-U-K-U. And I'll put these links on the show notes. Lots of really good stuff there. People sharing information and selling things. And there's a guy who does a lot of props. And there's a sticky at the top that tells you what he has in inventory. The other component to the outfit is the shirts, which are the gray kind of undershirt and like the black or it's kind of like a dark olive, actually, thing that goes over the top. And that... You can get a Champion C9 athletic sleeveless shirt at Target that approximates the gray thing pretty well. And the black thing is a racerback t-shirt, a women's racerback t-shirt that's worn backwards. That's right. It's a chick's bra. Yeah. And so (laughs) the one that they recommend for fairly cheap is one called No Boundaries. It's available at Walmart. Can I go, Brian, when you go to Walmart to buy a women's bra? I asked Michelle (laughs) to get it for me. Yeah, but that's not the one that I bought. I bought the... Calvin Klein Pure Tank. There's some things I won't compromise on when it comes to my bosoms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that covers our BSG material for now. Now we're going to move ahead to uh, our discussion of the show that just came back on the air, Heroes. I was watching over the weekend. They had a Comic-Con panel of the cast and the creators that occurred like a month or so ago in San Diego. It was on the sci-fi.com website. It's kind of interesting because the first question of the Q&A a guy asked, he started and he said, I love the show, although I didn't really like the finale. And he went into his question. So right at the very first question, like got someone who had said that they didn't like it, which is interesting because you were wondering if they were aware of it, of the negative feedback or if they were totally in a bubble. And then later a woman asked if there were going to be some more strong role model female characters that weren't strippers or cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. 
<laughs> so again, and then when someone asked the cast what they'd like their character to do, Hayden, the cheerleader, said she'd like to kill someone instead of being killed all the time. I'm convinced her character likes the pain. Like she's, she's like last night's episode, she's just like I'm gonna. She jumps and lands like stiff need and breaks her leg, and she's like, "Ow!" Well, you know, it, <laughs> no, it's not that she likes pain. It's that four months later, so they left the square. They went into hiding, and it was pretty much well established that Dad was telling her, "You've got to be normal." So she's basically spent four months pretending to be not invincible. So she just wanted to do it. Yeah. Just you know, to see if it was still there. Well, not see if it was. So just to know, it's like, yeah, I'm cool. You I know, can break cool. my leg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Okay. So they're aware that there are problems, but they obviously didn't feel like addressing them. Because, <laughs> you know, what new female they introduce, uh, an illegal immigrant who apparently kills people <laughs> and doesn't know why. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's some seriously messed up writers on Not only show. does she kill people and doesn't know why, we don't even know how. We don't know how. like slicing the right. cheek. We don't know how, but as far as we can tell, the only thing that can keep her from doing this is her brother, the man. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So once again, the women, they're all the problem. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, is this like another one of those Wonder Twins things where they've got to like, you the know, their, their power works together. <laughs> Just don't break out the purple spandex. Yes, please. <laughs> but the show creator was asked if he had an ending thought out. And it seemed to indicate that there was no particular ending in the terms like they don't have to get off an island as in Lost. So there's no real super end game, which in a way, I mean, comic books, they go on and on. There's no end to a comic book series, but TV shows do. They don't quite have the longevity. So Why are we talking about an end game now? Do because, they need an end game? Because every other show that comes on now, it seems, you know, Battlestar Galactica has an end game. Lost has an end game. How I Met Your Mother has an end game. I really? Mean, yeah. 24 has an end game every season. Yeah. Okay, when the episode started, when then Mohinder was doing his speech, the first thing I said was, this feels just like a Daniel Jackson lecture. The very beginning of Stargate, Daniel Jackson's giving a lecture, and nobody's in there, and people are like laughing at him because his theories are so off the wall, just like Mohinder's. I'm like... You know, this seems really, really familiar. And then some guy approaches him about a job, which is exactly what happened to Daniel Jackson. Some girl approached him about a job. Well, we've had this discussion just the other week about the the great originality in the CBS boardroom. Yeah. Hey, I've got a show. There's a vampire. <laughs> and he's, he's good. he's a good guy. And he solves <laughs> mysteries. That's cool. I've never heard of anything like that. And we need to cast David Boreas. Yes, except he's tied up. <laughs> So what did you think about the very beginning when he is doing that presentation? We're talking about the season premiere of season two of Heroes now. He's talking about the virus. They went over that pretty fast. And how much is that going to play out into something bigger? Overall, I was excited for the premiere. And I wasn't all that jacked up after the show. I wasn't like, I wasn't chomping on the bit. Last year or last season, I was like, oh my God. Like as soon as the show was over, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for next Monday. And yesterday I was like, hmm. You know, I just, I don't know. I just, it didn't. The only storyline that was exciting to me was Heroes. Yeah. I don't know, the cheerleader thing, I wasn't, I, I didn't feel it. They didn't bring up Nikki or her husband. The people escaping from South America, if they, for some reason, don't ever show that again, I don't think I'll be, I don't know, I just, uh, I wasn't jacked up about it. Well, one, I thought they pretty much explained, by the, if I understood what you're talking about, right? I thought they explained by the end of the show that Mohinder wasn't trying to 
drum up stuff as much as he was trying to get himself noticed yeah. by the company. Yeah. And that, that's all he was trying to do. And second, I think, one, they were a little bit of a victim of marketing because they know that their most popular characters are Hero, Claire, mm-hmm. the Petrellis. They know that Nikki Jessica wasn't working like they thought. So the most time to Hero, then you had Claire, then you had a little bit of Petrellis, no Nikki Jessica. But I don't mind new characters, but I like how two of the new characters were worked in within existing storylines. But the people fleeing Central America, it's like they wrote a show and then stuck this on. It was nice to see the Petrellis all, like, discombobulated. They were, like, rich and powerful, and now they're, like, shaggy drunks and <laughs> container locked up. I think it suffered a little bit from the typical sequel problem where you come back to something from the first episode or from the first movie, and you pretty much have to see how everyone's doing again. And time is wasted reconnecting with these people. We're just sort of uh, catching up on old times and all this banter a little bit at the dinner table or... It almost begged for a two-hour season premiere, except that the order from NBC was, we're going to launch this new show here and this new show here, so you've got to, you know. Yeah, there's a new one here and a new one here, and you've got the stuff in the middle. And these two shows are designed to get the Heroes people to come in an hour early and to stay an hour later. Now, it worked for me. It didn't work for me. Maybe you disagree with me, but I wouldn't have been opposed to having the balance be, instead of 80-20 in terms of old characters and new characters, I would have not have minded... The other way around, like just having a whole bunch of new people, new right, right off the bat, peril, you know, weird situations, and make you wonder, like, what happened to these guys? And then just kind of roll them in slowly. Wouldn't have minded that necessarily. Uh, more new characters. I just didn't like the brother and the sister. In the jungle, that, like you said, seemed really disconnected. The other guy that they introduced, the, the kid in the high school, his power is he can fly. I mean, we've seen that already. And I hope they're not going to tie this in some weird way with the Petrellis or something. But we've, that's a power that they're already Ooh, duplicating that themselves. Weird. About that. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and so, and then there's a guy who's he's he can do alchemy and turn things to gold, but that's not even a real... What yeah. are they going to do with it's that? great. Needle-nose Ned. <laughs> that's, that's stupid. So, like, if you day. could change stuff to gold, that guy should have been wearing a better suit. I was really psyched to see the hero storyline, but by the end of it, I was sort of like, I hope that, kind of like the jungle thing, this doesn't remain so disconnected. I need it to be somehow interweaved. I somehow. think it'll interweave itself. I think, I think it will, but it just seemed so disconnected I, right now. I think now. that hero just needs to get that guy's suit and become the guy he's uh, I think he's heard the stories about. Think, yeah, that's what's going to happen. I think hero is the basis of those stories. Yeah. I thought that last year, I mean, we didn't talk about the show on, on the podcast, but you know, Michelle and Jason and I talked about it, and that's what we basically all three of us believed from way back in the day. From the second he said that he had to go get the sword, we were like, oh, yeah, he was totally and the samurai guy. He kept my sword. And yeah. It reminds me of the, there's a book called The Anubis Gates by Tim Powers that's kind of along those lines. A guy goes back in time and to see his hero, and it, well, I don't want to give the whole thing away, but it's along those lines. And I don't think Sulu's dead. You think his power is to heal massive brain injuries? I think I think he I don't know, he's got some sort of power like if he dies he just clones himself. Give me the ten minutes from the Wonder Twins and give me a little bit more on the Petrellis and you know and Nikki Jessica. So we're calling them now the Wonder Twins. Well until it was something snarkier. <laughs> the Dunder Twins, I don't know, that didn't work. Plus, just being on a purely just I'm doing other things now while I'm watching TV, I don't need three more scenes with subtitles. <laughs> Because I'm not always looking at the TV while I'm watching the show, as you know now. They did introduce sort of like the big evil Sauron character. It almost was a really overt reference. 
to uh, Sauron because he even had the line from Lord of the Rings where he says, I see you. That's almost exactly Oh, I exactly totally lifted. didn't pick up on that one. But Lord of the Rings only had one eye. This one has two. Oh, it's there, yeah. Twice the evil. How about the reflection of Nathan Petrelli? I don't get that. I don't get that. Here's what I thought. When I first saw it, I thought back to an email we got from Brian, who his theory was that Jessica's power was to fly into other people's bodies. And I thought, hmm, maybe this guy was right. Maybe Peter absorbed that power, and then he somehow absorbed Nathan into him. And so now he's, you know, just something really like that. But then, like, ten minutes later, oh, wait a minute. Well, there's a guy in a box. Petrelli, older brother, did take Peter up into space to theoretically go supernova, so maybe this has something to do with that. But how did Nathan not die? Well, he could have chucked him and then That's what I was thinking. Yeah, he could have dropped him. Superman did that so many times. Pick stuff up from Earth, fly out there until it's out of the gravity, Mm -hmm. push it, turn around and come back. He didn't have much time to to drop and bolt from a a nuclear explosion. We have no idea how long it was for Peter to go supernova. We don't know how fast uh, his brother can fly, or maybe that's he sees his inner, the demon that he's That's what become, I think it is. You know, because he's been manipulated by his mother, by the the company. He's been manipulated by all of these people. Maybe he was manipulated by his dad. You know, he's been manipulated the whole time to become this powerful politician because then at that point he can make things happen and become president and all that stuff. So maybe when he looks himself in the mirror, he sees the devil. It's head Nathan. Yeah. That's, what I think. that's probably like, that's all maybe sounds like, reasonable to me, but it, maybe it seems like, like it's just such a reference to the Nikki thing that there has to be a connection. Well, it certainly looked like a guy who survived a nuclear blast. Yeah. Do you want to do grades like for this one, like we do for the other shows? Sure. Do? What do you say? What say you? Blue. <laughs> all right. Here we go again. I'm gonna say B. I didn't love it. Uh, I'm gonna give him a little bit of rope. It's what I expected, really. I didn't think that they were gonna jump right into it so super fast and. So, uh, eh, B. I was thinking B until this discussion. Now it's more like a B minus because, as you said, the only woman they introduced, it, they kept on with their misogyny thing. No one wants you to answer all the questions in an hour, but just to completely not bring back people really kind of bothered me. I kind of wish they ended on more of a cliffhanging note than whatever they did. I agree with that. That maybe brings it down to like a. Somewhere between a B and a B. I mean, it might be me. interesting to see, how, like, why was Peter handcuffed inside there? I mean, who put him in there? Okay, that's an interesting question, but... You could have actually introduced the Hispanic brother and sister in a shorter amount of time, giving more room to, you know, show Nikki and everybody else. Exactly. But you could have just had, instead of them running into this room, and there was a lot of conversation between the brother and sister. It could have been just shown them running... They flash over to the Petrellis. They come back. Those people are dead. And the brother's like, come on, come on, come on. We just got to keep going. And they could have been 20 seconds and it had been done. Well, I think and then the, brought more of them back later. Right. I think all the exposition they needed was them running from the cops and passing a poster that said they're wanted for murder. Yeah. For the pure fact that they're on this show, we know that there's something more to it. Yeah. And yeah. so I'll give it a B because I, I like that number. And I'll... Give Hero a scratch and sniff sticker because I liked him. I'm giving it a B. Ooh, and I like the actor they got. I like the actor they got to play. What is his name? Tenshi? The hero? Tenshi. That was a nice little twist. He's from Alias. Yes, he played Sark on Alias. I love him. Alias. love him. Love him. 
we didn't mention, but maybe we can talk about it next week. But uh, Journeyman. Yes, we're going to bring up some more Chuck. shows. Yes. So this has been the Galactic Quorum show number twenty-five. Our website is galacticacorum.com. Email is gquorum at gmail.com. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye. Glorious. Every time we come in here to record, I get overheated. Maybe we shouldn't sit so close together. Maybe that's what it is. I get so excited about hanging out with you guys. Maybe it's because I'm pushing your button. Maybe we shouldn't talk about this.